This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hey again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 108. Today on our show, Tommy Sheehan. I'm so thrilled that we actually have an MLS team here in Cincinnati, first and foremost, and then we get to work together on just some of the coolest stuff ever, So, which is great, you know? So um, it's like, you know, like design can just be such a good little nugget of popcorn here and there that you just kind of feed on. Tommy's one of the city's top graphic designers, and as you can tell from that clip, he's not from around these parts. He sat down and talked to us about the culture shock of moving to the U.S. when he was in grade school, working on design elements for the Bunbury and Bellwether music festivals, taking the leap out of the ad agency world into working for himself, why everyone is mad at the font comic sans, and a whole lot more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it by a PayPal or Venmo. Use podcast at cincyshirts.com and kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Tommy Sheehan. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. In a while, I'm a in Cincinnati. Ready when you want. We're rolling, huh? We're rolling. That's how it is. Yep. Cool. Let me connect right. to my little internet here. Well, I'm going to guess where you're from. Yeah, go, go ahead. The, o- the obvious answer, the UK. Northern yeah. I'm going yeah. to narrow it down. Yeah. I'm going to say the South. Yes. I'm going to say London. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I was going to say... <laughs> East End, Essex, or Basildon, but I'm going to call an Ottawa. I'm going to go south to London after hearing you talk a little more this morning. Yeah. Wow, I got it. What? No one ever gets it. I'm usually really? pretty yeah. yeah, I'm usually like people... I thought I was Australia because you're always seeing me. <laughs> yeah, everyone says Australia. I sometimes well, get occasionally um, <laughs> New Zealand as well. Uh, uh, I think the reason being because I've been over here for such a long You've time. You've got a little twang now in your accent. I picked up some yeah. habits, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You guys have the best accent. Anywhere out of the UK is horrible. Ours is terrible. The Canadians are awful. The Australians are okay. But yeah, no one speaks English like the English. <laughs> well, I, I grew up on like sort of like the rough side of the tracks, like in Battersea, uh, Mitcham area, which is, you know, probably about 10 minutes away from like River Thames yourself. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, and then obviously I moved over here at such a young age, at like 13, 14 years old, and then was back and forth. You know, oh, okay. For a number of years before, like really cementing Cincinnati as sort of home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no one ever gets like South London that quickly, hmm. you know, because there's, I mean, even within London as well, there's so many different sort of like areas, exactly. yeah. you know, yeah. like East End, West End, North, South, and all the rest yeah. of it. It's, it's a massive difference, and people that live there can pick you out immediately so yeah really so just within that one city there's different accents oh yeah 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 Yeah, no question oh yeah yeah no question i mean even like you know because london is so huge i mean it's like you go from like one end to the other sort of like the borough of london it's like 26 miles something like crazy you know so um and even if you're like down in a place like epsom looking at london you can see the sky it's like a totally different vibe and culture completely so um yeah have you guys been before? 
No, sadly, no. Flew I've never over been. on the way to France, dying to go. Dang, I thought for well, sure you'd like live there in no. college or something. No. As much of a UK nut. <laughs> no, big big dream. First this guy has a flat. He has all that UK place, lingo. First place I'm going is uh, is a broadcast house. <laughs> I told oh, yeah, my family, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which has moved since. Uh, I started listening when I was a kid, but yeah, that's the first place I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> PF did an interview on uh, BBC Radio last week. They no, called it was an interview. In. I was on um, <laughs> on Scott Mill's show. They do. You, you listen? I listen to BBC Radio <laughs> Six. Is what I, I love. To. Six. Yeah. So yeah. Six is sort of like my bread and butter. Like that's more. Week. It's more for our age. Well, bracket. it's like it's it's. I think the uh, what I like about it is I'm always hearing something new. Yeah, exactly. During the course of the week, yeah, and yeah. even if I like it or I hate it, that's if I if I've never heard it before, that to me is gold. So I, I bounce between BBC Six and then um, WWOZ which is in New Orleans their radio oh, yeah. station down there which is unbelievable so um, but it's like their radio stations with DJs are actually want they're playing what they want to play and then yeah. Iggy Pop does a show on Friday from 2 till 4 our time I've heard about here that. Yeah. and it's unbelievable so there's really? a there's um, Iggy Pop does one on Friday there's a band called Elbow um, Guy Garvey's the lead singer. He does a show on Sunday mornings, which is from like nine until eleven. And sometimes he'll occasionally get Killian Murphy to um, host, who was the lead actor from uh, Peaky Blinders. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got amazing taste in music. Huh. So you got all these characters that um, sort of like it, within the age group of what I'm sort of used to listening to. And then um, like some of the earlier DJs, like Sean, uh, I think his name Sean Keevy or something like that, in the morning is kind of entertaining so you get all these different DJs depending on like what time like the orchestra of like the week is you know what I mean like you'll get Electric Ladyland Saturday night dance start, like, style stuff but it's it's just all over the place and that's what I really like about it it's like chalk and cheese really yes yeah, yeah. I do like I do recommend Radio 6 BBC um, Radio 6 is a good one yeah I like Radio 1 for the for the personalities I like about a third of the music it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's not meant for me but. once it start, gets into too much talking I'm like I'm out oh that's know? Radio 2 you know what I mean oh god Radio <laughs> 2 is so boring yeah. uh. so, but I would recommend if you're if you guys are looking for something like different WWOZ from New Orleans uh, Louisiana it's a lot of that sort of like proper New Orleans American music yeah. from like, huh. you know, old jazz to new jazz to stuff that's in between. But it's just great background music when you're working and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I'm always looking for is like stuff I can have on. That zone I can out to. Zone out to all the rest of it. So um, I was always a fan of John Peel. John oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Marianne Hobbs on the, the Breeze Block. Marianne Hobbs. Is she she's, still yeah, on there? she's still on there. She's really? Still, yeah, she's still doing her thing. I can listen to her talk all day. I, I know. Mean, I don't think I would turn the channel if she talked too much. Yeah, so those are like great uh, personalities just to have on in the background. And um, yeah, especially like when they're starting to get into sort of like festival season, then you get like oh, the yeah. new artists are coming out because that's what we're into right now. Everyone's mm-hmm. sort of like percolating for like music festival season and uh so yeah hopefully we get to yeah. hear some new tidbits in the near future so you talk about uh music festivals so that's obviously something that's uh near and dear to your heart because you did the bunbury logo and the bellwether yeah bunbury stuff, right? bellwether and then we had a brief one here for like we had the buckle up buckle here, up yeah, which was like the one and done type thing yeah. which uh, only year was an amazing lineup but yeah uh bunbury uh and bellwether those all both came through uh, Bill Donabedian, um, local guy who does a lot of festival work yeah. and all the rest of it. But of the uh, show. he's done the pod. Yeah. Yep. So he and I sort of like struck up a friendship years ago, and um, you know he came to me with the original Bunbury uh, brand mark that he did, and um, he showed it to me, and I, you know, it's like 2012, something like that. 
um, and I had the courage enough to tell him it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, just give me, you know, just give me like five hours. And Your time was, was rubbish. Yeah, I should have done. Um, <laughs> but I just said, I remember because I, funny enough, I found the email of our first sort of like uh, conversation back and forth yesterday. And I sent it to him. I was like, "Check this out." So because it felt, it feels like a lot longer than 2012 when yeah. it was all going down. But um, but yeah, it was just a fun thing to do because I, I love music. I'm you know a hack of a musician myself, not a very good one, but like the music festivals and gig posters and all that stuff is just like one way to stay connected to it. Essentially, you know, so it's a great avenue to kind of be a part of. That's awesome. All right, so let's let's dial it back a little bit. So, uh, so you grew up in London. Uh, so, what brought you to the United States then? So, family. My mum moved over here many moons ago. Um, married over here, and then my dad and my sister. One of my sisters were still back in London, and then uh, we were coming over here for summer vacation and holidays. And then um, it just got to the point where we we're just like, you know what, we really want to sort of make the jump and the move. Um, and decided to do that and kind of make our way in Cincinnati. And it took me a long time to kind of fall in love with this city just because it was such a culture shock. It's one thing to go on holiday somewhere. It's another thing, like, once you're, like, two months deep, you're like, oh, shit, what have I done type stuff. Um, But then it took me many, many years to kind of get it and feel like this place was home and, like, part of my DNA. But it, it eventually got to be that way. Nice. Yeah, it is a cool city, right? When the, uh, I guess that's the whole point of our whole brand and podcast and stuff is like, yeah, we're just kissing some Cincinnati all day. But. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's, <laughs> this city's interesting too because it always feels like it's just beginning, right? Yeah, I feel yeah. like this place has been that way for like the last like 10, you know, 15 years maybe. There's always been like these instigators of all these folks doing all this really cool stuff and just trying to make their way. Um, in this city and do some good stuff and creative stuff like I think that's what we're so spoiled with the sort of like the richness of like creativity in this city that sometimes it can be easily overlooked you know so there's so many people doing some really interesting stuff from um, whether it's like from music just a whole um, sort of visual articulation of how things like come to life and uh, you know and you know hopefully with a bit more support and financial sort of like you know effort from a lot of people I mean it's it's really going going in the right direction that's yeah. for sure yeah, we definitely have some uh, some kick-ass design agencies, um, you know, people just doing crazy stuff and people not afraid to take a chance. Yeah, you know, so uh, and, and big brands supporting them, you know. Which, yeah, because yeah, he's always been pretty supportive of you know doing stuff that's different. I mean, it's it's weird. Some of the culture in that company, I've worked for them before, is like let's do something new and cool, and other parts of the company are like. Save time and money. That's what this should say. <laughs> Out the door. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, companies like that, I mean, they, they really were sort of like the catalyst for a lot of this stuff kind of kicking off as well. So whether, you know, people were working for those big corporations and then kind of went off and did their own thing, you know, it kind of gave them the platform and sort of the momentum uh, to kind of continue that type of work and then potentially rally back around and then work for those big companies as well. Because, I mean, my work comes all through different altitudes. I work with... Like, like small boutique places to big branding kind of establishments and um you know it to me it's the work is essentially the same because you're having conversations you're creating you're trying to listen well and then create something that's going to have some type of meaning to it at the end of the day you know yeah so did you go to art school 
Um, I I went to, well I went to Antonelli for a couple of years. Me and Rob Warnick were there together. Okay, um, Rob used to work for me at the record store. Yeah, so, way back when he was in high school. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I was just such a shitty student all the way across the board from like you know high school to college. I just couldn't get it together. And um, by the time I actually got to like Antonelli and started to really focus in on art and craft and all the rest of it, that's kind of when I got sort of sub serious about it. Um, and then was able to kind of get through that art school and then start flipping my fingers through the yellow pages when that was still a thing and uh, <laughs> you know had a, had you know sort of the audacity to try and get into a design agency and someone was dumb enough to hire me wow yeah so I mean have you always been uh, infatuated with design and typography and stuff because I mean that's it typography I don't think anyone appreciates how freaking hard it really is I, I think I've always had that and I might not have even known it that I've had that obsession with it but even like um, informational design like London Underground those kind of um, infographics and all the rest of it oh, yeah. they've always like spoken to me and I've always looked at them a little bit longer than you would other things essentially whether it's like the color palette the negative the positive the spatial relationships i mean that's the stuff that i really sort of like zone in on that i'm really interested in um and then just sort of like old music albums and um you know just even like uh travel wayfinding things whether you're jumping on a bus and the bus blinds from like way back in the day or just the way that the johnston typeset was kind of spaced out from a you know a long destination to a short destination i always notice that stuff you know and i still and i'm so sort of intrigued by it today that um i just find it endlessly fascinating i can look at something and just kind of get lost in it for a little bit so um, whether it's a good piece of art or bad piece of art i'll still want to kind of visually investigate like what the hell is going on here yeah you know it's amazing how much bad design there is out there yeah there is but then if it's (laughs) intentionally bad it can be great you know what i mean like if someone is like making that commitment to go all in on like i'm gonna make this as crappy as i possibly can that to me is fascinating it's good yeah (laughs) that's what i always had a hard time with uh i went to art academy and then you know design class there and uh our, our typography teacher was just like, yeah, just look at good design. Just, you know, just look, just follow good stuff. And I'm like, I'm a student. Tell me what's good. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you know, pick up the design annuals or really GQ or something. Really, but, you know, read good writing. Yeah. You know, so you'd look on MTV and there'd be all this crazy stuff or even ESPN. They'd have uh, kind of cutting edge, like, you know, motion graphics and whatnot. I'm just like, man, like I would, I would never just be able to sit down at a blank canvas and be able to come up with all of that like it's just it's just really kind of stressful when in a way you're like I got a long way to go well I think it's kind of interesting because I you know there was a not too long ago I remember there was this big push for minimalism right in typography and even when I was in one of the corporate agencies that I was working at everything went just like super simple um, everything was stripped back everyone was trying to be as quiet as they possibly could because there was almost like this kind of visual audio 
backlash that was going on. It's like, everything's too loud. We need to quieten everything down. So it's just interesting. Now we're kind of in a different way of kind of creating now to where, you know, I feel like we're in a, a much more of like a, um, an exploratory, like anything goes sort of state right now. Whereas like, say like seven, eight, ten years ago, everyone was trying to be like very sort of like simple, helveticate out, thin type faces, very quiet. Now it's kind of like, you know, taking sort of like established sort of elements and how do you take those pieces and put a twist on them to make them something completely new, you know? Yeah. Why are people mad at Comic Sans? <laughs> uh, I don't understand. I mean, I'm not, just, I'm not defending it. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying a lot of people are like, my daughter was, she was helping me with my resume and she's like, well, you know, you're not using Comic Sans, right? And I'm like, Lord, no. Actually, no. Not on the resume. Yeah. No. I think it just has to all to do with context. Like, for instance, we used to have um, some of my friends in an old agency, we used to have a bet to see who could get the uh, hobo typeface in a layout and make it an actual, and actually have it go to <laughs> print and if, if, if it went to print um you know you would get like a small um kind of sachet of cash essentially because it was such a bad typeface <laughs> but i've seen that typeface show up in a few different spots now and i think it's all about context i mean if it kind of works and you know i'm you know i was probably one of those that dogged comic sans like back in the day but now i'm sort of like you know pulling back on that a little yeah. bit because you never know there the comic sans a, challenge yeah exactly <laughs> so if you can get that thing printed like more power to you <laughs> Yeah, people don't realize what all goes into creating fonts. I mean, all the uh, there's a couple of Instagram accounts that uh, really break the stuff down. That uh, after a while, it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, there's just so many different levels to to get in and cut everything open. But um, uh, yeah, so you, so you mentioned a couple corporate agencies. You, you uh, work with, I know LPK was one of them. Was there any before then? Uh, before LPK you... was one. I was there for a long time. Um, I was at Landor um, for a couple of years too. And then before that, I was at Marsh before they became uh, Marsh brand partners. So I sort of did uh, the circuit that was like close to like 20 years of agency life is kind of what that surmises to being. Wow. I know. So. so is that a cool lifestyle? That's something that I always kind of pictured myself doing but at the end of the day i'm kind of like yeah i think i'm glad i didn't well no it's it's they're all so different and i think that it all depends on like what altitude you're operating in those companies with and um you know i'll be forever grateful for like the education uh, and the experience of the different people we get to work with you know um because i think like especially when i was with marsh it was really more about getting into the industry kind of cutting my teeth essentially and just kind of trying to understand what the landscape of being in an agency is really like like um and then from there i went to like landor and then you're just surrounded by like world-class talent and it's like wow i better up my game and then you know that was a really good education just to be obsessed about the craft essentially and doing those 24-hour shifts occasionally just to kind of you know get the work to where it needed to be just because like you know back in those days it's like even if you had some talent there's a good chance you weren't the best you know most talented person in the room but you better work damn hard to kind of get it to that point um and then after you know having some time there then going to lpk and trying to you know trying to find that sort of like balance of trying to create my own thing as well and then working in sort of like the corporate branding agency world as well was always kind of fascinated me as well because i you know, it was always like never enough because I'd always be creating stuff outside of work as well, whether it was like music festivals, gig posters with like uh, Keith Neltner or um, whomever around town. It was a case where 
having a little bit of an insatiable appetite to kind of create because um, I don't know how you feel, but I always find like a tremendous amount of self-worth out of just creating and just putting stuff out into the ether and just to see how stuff gets responded to, you know? So um, it's, it's a little bit of that kind of coming into the fray as well. So, um, and then eventually after doing all that corporate um, sort of branding agency, it was kind of a time to, to, to kind of leave and see if I could take the bet and, uh, you know, ma- hedge the bet on myself to see how that would go, you know? Yeah. So, which is scary all in itself, you know? <laughs> I hear you. So at what point did uh, art directors quit breathing down your neck and just l- let you go? Or what? Or does, does it ever happen in the, I don't in the know. corporate well, world? Yeah, I think, you know, there's always going to be someone sort of peering and poking over your shoulder to see, see what's going on. But... Um, you know, I think there's also a, a level of like, when do you stop listening and you start trusting your own gut on stuff um, and kind of running with projects and kind of driving those as you see fit. What's interesting about that whole game is like you could have two creative directors with the same brief, the same project, and, you know, they're both going to come out with probably two relatively different uh outputs but it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong but you know if they've done a good job as far as like listening to like the inputs and then kind of doing the right research and then kind of trusting their gut as to what is right instead of just like you know being in a silo and creating stuff for your own sake um you know typically there's there's more than than white one right solution so were you uh like when we had James Billiter on here, he said he was a master designer. Yeah. And then, so were you, which oh, I, I guess so was there. I was one of those too. So, okay. So, <laughs> so there's what entry level intern, and then you got uh regular designer, then senior. Junior's then, like cop because there's junior copywriter, senior copywriter. So at some point there's a fork, right? Where they're like, it's okay, so this different. guy's good. We'll, we'll still tell him to do, but master designer is like, get the hell out of my way. Lock me in my studio. I'm yeah. going to, Give me the give me the specs and I'll give you I'll deliver whatever you need. I think that's kind of where like James Billet uh, <laughs> and myself um, were similar in the fact that um, we just wanted to stay on the board, stay creating. Because as you kind of grow in your career, there is that fork in the road. You're absolutely right. You either become like a design director, or you start doing a little bit less of the work, or you try and you try and fight to kind of create keep the creativity going essentially not saying that you're not um kind of displaying creativity when you're design directing but you're literally looking over someone's shoulder and trying to help them kind of get to you know a creative output that's going to represent the work well whereas you know the master designer realm um i think everyone that starts in the creative field wants to keep drawing, creating, building, all the rest of it. And I think, yeah, that's where that um, title ended up coming from. So we tried to stay in that lane as, as long as we possibly could. Uh, but there came that point and uh, shift when, you know, as I was in the corporate world where, you know, you have to keep selling the work as well. And then, you know, if bodies are getting light, also around then there's no anyone else really around to sell the work so then you you know you get sent on the road and you're selling work essentially yeah <laughs> that's crazy so so was there a lot of traveling i mean james talked about going to like what sweden and yeah some uh, yeah it was a lot of travel and i think like that's 
yeah. high pressure pitches or presentations? I, um, I think they all came with a, a, a level of pressure because whether you're like selling the work or trying to get the work, you know, um, to kind of keep bums in seats and making sure salaries are getting paid. You know, there there does there does uh, tend to have a little bit of pressure with that, but um, you know that's kind of where my tension point was. You know, when I decided to start Tommy Inc on my own because I was on the road a heck of a lot, I was doing a little bit less work than I really wanted to be doing, and it was kind of like, okay, I need to start stacking the chips in my favour when it comes to actually, you know, doing the work essentially. So, and that was sort ah. of like the um, sort of the catalyst for me to kind of fast forward. You know, sort of what Tommy Inc is today. So they're kind of right. grooming you to take on, you know, more upper echelon positions there at the. Well, I think that's just the the nature of the business. You know, yeah. it's it's either it's uh, what's the phrase? If you're not moving up, you're moving out type stuff. You know, so um, and for me, I've just I love doing the work. I really do. I love talking about the work. I like uh, presenting the work, but I really love being in the weeds, in the trenches, doing the work. Um, it's just kind of, I just get an, a massive amount of satisfaction from actually creating the stuff. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. So, all right. So you had some freelance, uh, clients lined up or what gave you the confidence to say, honey, I'm out. I'm doing my own thing. Ah, uh, you know what? I think there's never a good time to say that. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> they, the, the timing is always going to suck. You know, and I think that you know there just comes that point where you're like, you're literally, um, you're on the phone and you're just going to hang up on the conversation that you're having and just kind of go for it. And you know, for me, it's like when I was talking to my wife, I was like. You know what? We're the 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 first goal is is just to make sure the lights are still on after thirty days. If the lights still on after thirty days, then okay, I think we can make this work essentially. So um, it's really about just kind of placing bets on yourself, and you know, just keep chumming up the waters and keep conversations going. And you know, to me, it's kind of like if the work is good and the chemistry is good with the people that you're working with, that's that's a good that's a pretty good recipe to make some good things happen. No doubt. So, uh, yeah. So, so you've been on your own for two just years. Over two years. years now. Yeah, yeah. I started doing like we'll call it Tommy Ink stuff in around two thousand nine. So that was sort of like in parallel with you know my regular day job, and then doing you know little bits of work here and there on the side. Um, and then two years ago is kind of when I left the corporate branding agency world and went went full time. So how do you concentrate on marketing yourself? And also satisfying that creative bug where you're... Um, I think it goes hand in hand for the most part. Like, I'm always looking to, like, celebrate the work that I'm working on, right? So, to me, that's sort of, like, that that helps with the marketing portion of it. So, uh, making sure the projects I really am enjoying, making sure that they're present online and I'm popping it. Like, what if I get permission from somebody that I'm celebrating the client as well as sort of celebrating, you know, my own brand essentially. And I feel like that's the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how are people contacting you now then with, uh, I mean, a lot of word of mouth. Is there, uh, I don't know. Are you posted on, <laughs> I got, I got, I don't know. I look at some of these or actually name, I don't know if you can name some of the, some of the recent logos or clients. I've been to your studio and it looks like you've done a ton of stuff, like from like beer bottles to, yeah. uh, 
I don't know. You, you you know your portfolio better than I do, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of it. Um, what I've, I've worked on, you know, in the corporate branding world, worked on these global brands that are massive brands. Whether it's like in the spirits world, the beer world, um, kind of like uh, beauty care, you name it. Um, but I think a lot of times I'm I'm looking more to kind of focus my business in around sort of like the region of the of the midwest per se and it's all been most of it's been through word of mouth um and some of the projects are so interesting like i'm working on um new force which is uh responsive platforms for uh major league baseball right now which is insane so it's it's a world i have known nothing about huh. as far as like even baseball is concerned but it's it helps about, them cheat well no it's all about yeah <laughs> and they're going through a tough time right now for sure uh but like pressure points and pressure loads uh with pitchers with their feet and their release timing and all the rest of it and it's all based upon um kind of the pounds of pressure that you can't see underneath your feet essentially which is the the whole basis of it is to kind of course correct bad habits. So a coach can look at your form, be like, "Oh, I notice your um, your your phase A or your phase B might be a bit out of whack, which will cause to problems down the road." But with this platform work, you know they're looking at um, minuscule pieces of data that can kind of help course correct some of the stuff. And to me, that's just fascinating because I know nothing about it. It ends up being an education for me, and then I'm able to kind of visually articulate what they're trying to do who they're trying to talk to and kind of the world in which they want to operate in so um it's it's jobs like that which i find just incredible that's cool yeah. well, and hopefully they pay it instead of because a, a lot of times those up and coming guys who need a logo they're always like hey why don't i just give you a part of the company oh uh, you know it? what and sometimes i do do that you know <laughs> and that does happen um and a lot of times they don't pan out but you know at the same time it's kind of like if I feel some chemistry going on, like if you're, you know, a good person, you're not going to be a total nightmare to work with. And I feel like the work's going to be sort of beneficial to kind of celebrate on my own accord. And that might help me get another job like down the road. Yeah. Then that's kind of like, you know, you've got to trust your gut a little bit. It doesn't always pan out that way, but um, occasionally it does. So, um, yeah, so it's always, always a fascinating journey. Yeah, you got to be able to sort out the sharks from. Uh, yeah. From the whales, I yeah, guess. If exactly. That's, if anyone's ever said that before, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? The uh, so yeah, so uh, kind of circle back a little bit, and tell you how we've been working together. Uh, last summer, the uh, well, Cincy Shirts had an MLS license, and when that came about, they were like, "Yeah, you can do player shirts and all this stuff." I'm like, "Okay, that sounds cool." Uh, for just FC Cincinnati. Um, well, halfway through the season, the uh, MLS uh, players decided to unionize. They created the MLS Players Association. So a whole other entity reached out to us uh, and asked us if we would like a ML MLS uh, players license. So we said, sure. So we figured all, out all that, and then we're like, okay, we better, uh, we better get some uh, design chops ASAP. Um, you know, we got ideas, but we need, we need a guy who's, uh, you know, good at design and knows, knows a little thing or two about, uh, you know, soccer outside of Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's why I shot you an email and you're like, yeah, sure. Sounds awesome. So yeah, so that's good that you're also our local soccer, uh, aficionado. Obsessed. I mean, I think that I'm still kind of, um, MLS is kind of still... 
um, obviously growing and the, the talent pool is getting so good so quickly. I'm, I'm excited to see like what the league, it, it, what it's already done in such a short period of time is, is remarkable. Um, and just the, the fact that, you know, FC is going to have their stadium up and running by next, next season. Yeah. Um, it's going to be amazing. So, um, I'm so thrilled that we actually have an MLS team here in Cincinnati first and foremost and then we get to work together on just some of the coolest stuff ever so which is great you know so um, it's like you know like design can just be such a good little nugget of popcorn here and there that you just kind of feed on and you know kind of working on the MLS stuff is exactly that so it's just uh, it's just such a good creative outlet and you know designers just love to do that type of thing you know yeah it has been a lot of fun. Um, so, so, who's your side? My side is Tottenham Hotspur. I was gonna guess. Yeah, so that is uh, that is. I'm obsessed with that team to um, to the detriment of my own health uh, <laughs> on many levels, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, I've just which is it's nice in in America because you know we get to watch those games so early in the morning, like yeah. seven thirty to like. You know, the latest games are on at 12.30 and then you're done with your day, you're carrying on. You know, you got you can get your stuff done like in the afternoon or all the rest of it. But yeah, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, I'd love to see them come play um, Cincinnati in a friendly. That would just be like oh, yeah. icing on the cake. So. I think there might be an EPL friendly. I don't know if that's... Uh... Well, they did. They played Crystal Palace uh, a yep. couple of seasons ago, and then um, they, they play Valencia as well. So, I mean, that's what the teams do. They play all these kind of different um, sort of levels during the course of their preseason. So, you never know. Like maybe in the future, Spurs will come over, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be sitting out in my tent, in my chair, and you know, kind of soaking it all in when that <laughs> does happen. That's for sure. So, how do you view the level of play? Because I always ask people that are fans of. The, the bigger leagues overseas what they think of MLS yeah I think it's very it's I think it's very very good I think that w- American uh, players have always had um, the athleticism like they will always like outdog you outrun you and just like grind you out whereas you know, maybe some of the other leagues have more of the technical ability of play per se, but that gap is really getting uh, very small now, um, which is great to see. So, um, and then because it's even like last couple of seasons, like if at, well, Atlanta they're a new team, um, but and so LAFC as well, and then the Galaxy. But you know, if these teams are on, and Portland's is another one, if these teams are on. I'll sit down and watch that. Whereas, like, say, like. Seven or eight years ago, I was not doing that. I was either watching, you know, Columbus Crew because they were like the locals, just to see what they had yeah. going on, and all the rest of it. Um, but now we've we've got um, our own dog in the fight, which is fantastic. Even though last year was a tough year for the team, but I think everyone expected that. That sort of like knows the yeah. game, well, right? They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> That's what we said. Like, Gus, did you see this coming? Or yeah. Like, who expected us to yeah. be world beaters out of the it's out of the gate? Yeah, it's part of the process. You know, this team is going to have to take its knocks early on, and. Um, obviously they're, they're taking another major knock this week as well yeah but it's gonna turn around like this team is set up for success so i'm really excited about it and then think about all the fans that are going to watch these games as well you're getting these ridiculous numbers that are going to watch this and you know it has a lot to do with like the cincinnati sort of like foundation of soccer or football this is like the number two or three 
biggest youth kind of movement for soccer in the entire country it's like you you go around cincinnati on the weekend like all the fields are jam-packed with kids playing um and whereas like say years ago you know that would stop you get to like college and then you kind of wane off after high school but now there's a reason to stay engaged with it you know so i'm i'm so excited so yeah we'll be down there a lot so we made our upgrades with you know signing our players and stuff but you know you got like what Chicharito going to LA, and it yeah. sounds like all these other teams are, you know, picking guys out from all over the world. But how uh, great is that, though? Like, like literally, when you're seeing, say, if like Chicharito um, uh, from the Galaxy is, they're going to be playing Cincinnati, and you get to see this talent like in front of you, kind of doing their thing. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited uh, as much for FC Cincinnati. But at the same time, on the flip of the coin of that, seeing the, these great teams like coming to um, Cincinnati and you seeing sort of like, okay, how's this all laying out from a stylistic perspective? Because, you know, we're still like FC Cincinnati, we're still looking for like our identity as a team. You know, we're so early, so new, mm-hmm. and we're still trying to figure all of this stuff out. So, but that's, you know, if you just have some patience and take some time and kind of really kind of, um, uh, be patient with like how this team is actually building. They're they're, they're going to turn a corner, and it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We've talked about this before on the show. Um, how when I was a kid, we had the North American Soccer League, mm-hmm. and people hated it. And uh, the, the North American Soccer League tried to take soccer and Americanize it with American team names: Dallas Tornado, New York Cosmos. You know, city nickname. Sorted. Yeah. And then it's interesting that MLS, I don't know, by default or by design, it's kind of adopted more of the European approach where in the 70s, if Cincinnati had had a team, if the Comets had gone on to be in the NASL, you never would have seen people marching down the street in Clifton with a singing a song and, you know, and it kind of adopting the Europeanness of the game. Whereas now, that's the thing. Every Portland is like that a lot. Seattle is like that. To where they're, you know, it's become a more of a they've adopted the Europeanness of it which is kind of surprising but I still think it has its own MLS identity to it even though like say like sort of like the, the community aspect of yeah. it, it kind of feels very much akin to um, what's going on say with like Borussia Dortmund or Spurs or whomever um, that those those are kind of platforms for people to kind of you know just to um connect with each other which i think is fantastic but the league still feels like very much like an mls american establishment which i think is key to the culture of the league itself like for instance there's been so many players that have come over to like mls and they just haven't gotten it you know what i mean there's been a ton of players which did really well in europe and then came over here and just didn't show up just was you know would basically like dialing it in but now i think on the pitch and outside of the pitch and sort of like the community of what soccer is in this country, it's kind of cultivating its own identity and DNA, which I find, you know, someone that was born and raised in a football mad sort of like even hooligan culture to see where that was and to see what it is now um, is fascinating. So I'm, I'm so excited to see where this is going to go because I think it's going to, it's going to be a massive benefit to the community. I think the team's going to get, you know, exponentially better from season to season. Um, they just need to kind of keep the eye on the ball, essentially. Uh, no pun intended, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. So we, uh, we just lost our coach. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like when we were in USL, 
our players were so good that the coach really didn't matter. Like those guys just kind of went out and not that they did their own thing, but they were able to, you know, figure out ways to win and score and whatnot. Um, last year, I think it was apparent we needed a hell of a coach in order to get through some of these games. Yeah, which I don't think you know we had. It, 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 end of the season though, he was really starting to, uh, uh, you know, get get results. Or I feel like they were having a little better chemistry there towards the end. But uh, so with the upgraded roster, uh, are you as concerned with uh, not having you know Jans at the? At the helm, or uh... I think it's just a you know the feathers are definitely ruffled right now without having a permanent coach right there, and I'm not sure what their plan is. I'm sure they you know they're going to have their interim coach now, but they're going to have to go after someone that um, is established, kind of wants to follow sort of like style of play or the ethos, or have an idea as far as like what does this look like from a youth perspective all the way to the senior team, and you know that's what like good institutions always do like you have like your younger team playing sort of gesturally like the style of the senior team so when you kind of bring those kids up from say the youth team to a more senior side they have an idea of how the team is going to be set out and play with so um it's interesting i I can't wait to see like who the potentially the next coach would be i mean uh, do you follow those FC fan sites and stuff like that? Yeah, or a couple of Facebook it. groups. Yeah, <laughs> it can be right. it can be brutal on there, but it's even yeah. like you know you start you kind especially of, on days we put on a shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, it's <laughs> and it's like you know you see like suggestions coming in for like people like Rude Hullet and Klinsman. It's like God, I don't know if that's who you want in the you know as as the coach or what have you. Um, but yeah, they're just gonna have to take their time, be patient, do their due diligence, and get someone that's gonna be in there for like three, three seasons at least, just to kind of, yeah. you know, kind of have some positive impact on that. But yeah, hopefully the players kind of stay with it and they kind of stay true to the team. And um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be fascinating. I will definitely be um, watching with eager eyes. That's for sure. That's crazy. It's yeah. definitely been exciting. Yeah, it's like oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now we can't sing hip hop. <laughs> oh man! So was that a big culture shock when you came over here? You couldn't throw out, throw around the N word like you used to over there. Oh overseas. no! no, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no I th- it, it, everything was a big culture shock. I mean, it's funny when you move. It's, it's one thing to go on holidays. Another thing when you actually move from one place to another. Like you notice everything. Like even like the freaking color of the grass to. The the, the the com like the um sort of the construct of the concrete. It's the dumbest stuff that you notice after a while. Um, and then say when I lived here for a number of years, then moved back uh, was going back to England for a couple of months during the summertime and all the rest of it. It's the same way. You start noticing stuff you've never seen before. Um, but then to parlay that back into design, that has a huge effect. So whenever I go back home to England, I'm always like acutely aware even if it's in an airport to a bus stop to what have you just i'm always looking at all these kind of visual signals that are being popped out into the ether and sort of like you know storing them away in my sort of mental library <laughs> what part of town did you move to when you moved here like where did you go to high school? um it was uh i went to mola high school um and so i was up in the kenwood um okay. area um and then 
went and went to UC. So obviously uh, lived down in Clifton and then um, spent a few years in Covington as okay. well, which was great fun. Um, and then moved to Hyde Park uh, for a couple of years before going out to Mount Healthy and then now back up into uh, Blue Ash. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah. And your studio is awesome. I don't know. Uh, I, I went there and met with you once and I walked in this place and I was like, Wow. It's just kind of like nestled away. It's above your garage. Yeah, it's kind of like detached from the house, uh, above the garage, and it's like, you know, 900 square feet. Got like, you know, three workstations up there, conference table, little sitting area. It's just really comfortable, you know. It's kind of like, you know, it's got tons of wood in there and um, a couple of monitors in there, and it's just designed to be very, very comfortable and sort of like encourage sort of like you know just a little bit of creative flair essentially so so was that in your your interior design or did you have a company uh, give you some pointers myself like, and my wife as well so she's really yeah huge so we're we're, we're, we're awesome. both obsessed with design um in our own way but yeah just you know she and i just bounce stuff off each other like all the time oh she's so. a designer too no but i show her a ton of work and i'll basically be like what do you think of this <laughs> or you know we're talking about like scale or she's a great writer so when it comes to the verbal component she can really kind of help craft and cultivate kind of that verbal articulation and she can do so much better than i can that's for sure that's awesome yeah yeah it's definitely having a, a partner who has your back is uh oh, it's huge it is it's huge. one of those cases like cause we talk to a lot of people where like they work with somebody either it's a spouse or just a business partner yeah where someone will have the crazy ideas and then someone will be there kind of sand off the rough edges like my brother-in-law sister-in-law are like that and they, well i mean I, I think i was probably in the realm of the crazy idea for wanting to leave my corporate job <laughs> so that was where our tension a little bit was like you know it's like i i need to i need to leave you know and so that was kind of part of the crazy um just because you know it's it's never an easy decision to kind of you know leave you know a, a paycheck yeah right so that's kind of like well, sort but of sometimes like, a paycheck leads you it's, uh, it's very true yeah it's very true so it's, it's more know. of a case where like who's gonna leave first yeah are you gonna ditch me or am i gonna ditch you essentially so um not to put it harshly but uh but yeah it's it's worked out really well so far so um just being around and more present in cincinnati a little less travel a bit more work you know being able to kind of crank up the music every day you know at least like six seven hours a day is kind of you know sort of like the dream come true for me really heck yeah yeah it's exciting. So do you feel like you've made it or is there still stuff to prove? God. Are you satisfied at all with with your career, what you've done? I am satisfied. Do I think I've made it? No, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right? You know, no one I, does. No one really does. I mean, you know, if I look at where I've come in my life as far as like, you know, where I grew up and stuff like that, I mean, you know, if I were to able to kind of shoot my vision forward to like 30 40 years late i'd be like yeah hell yeah i've made it you know yeah, you're it? on the scentsy shirts freaking podcast there you go yeah right um but yeah i'm really content i'm enjoying the work i'm enjoying the people that i'm working with and it's a really it's just a nice sweet spot and you know um, most days I'm happy with what I'm doing you know there's always going to be those struggles and those tensions and you might get a crappy client or you know work isn't going as well as it could be but for the most part you know I cannot complain at all so 
Um, I'm enjoying living here. You know, everyone's happy and healthy right now. So it's kind of like, you know, knock on wood and kind of keep this thing rolling as, as long as I can, you know? Heck yeah. And your time isn't as consumed by, like, because now that you're on your own, you have to do a lot of the things that you didn't really like doing before with the agency, which is you have to be the salesman and the bill collector and all that. Or have you found a way to, like, focus more on the work and... Thank God for my wife. Uh-huh. So when it comes to, like, you know, keeping us legal, taxes are paid, um, chasing down the money, she does a lot of that stuff, um, which um, is a, a huge help. Um, so which kind of keeps me on the board, you know, for the majority of the time. So if I can kind of keep creating, stacking my chips in that uh, kind of world, um, and she's really good at just kind of making sure that, you know, things are staying in our lanes where they need to be and, you know, making sure that, you know, where everything is kind of good from a from a legal perspective. So yeah, that, that's Tommy's not behind his computer making <laughs> making designs. That's exactly it. What he's eating. That's exactly it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to kind of keep this thing rolling as as, as long as we can and uh, trying to just kind of stack the creativity in our favor so we can kind of keep keep living this life. You know, that's awesome. Heck yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else you wanted to cover there, PF? Um, Any outstanding questions, concerns? I had one. I forgot what it was. We went off on the marketing. Your favorite uh, fonts? <laughs> What's your go-to font right now? Like, I, I know I go th- I go through these seasons where I'm like, dang, this looks good on everything, and then then you get to a spot where you're like, oh, maybe I should, uh, you know, venture over to this. Uh, well, I mean, like some designers love that question, some of some hate it. You know what I mean? Um, but I'll, I'll go back to um, you know one that always comes to mind is Johnston, uh, used on the London Underground um, for many years. Comes in a few different ways, but yeah, just I just love the way it looks. It's just it's got a lot going for it, so um, it's one of one of my favourites. But anything that's on the informational kind of bus blinds, all that sort of old British kind of wayfinding stuff i'm always a sucker for that stuff yeah yeah so uh so once you grow up and you get away from defont.com and font <laughs> squirrel and stuff who are who are your favorite kind of font uh what do they call them not, not font creators but yeah, the people who make fonts but is it their found is it foundries yeah the foundries yeah you know I, I i go in and out of so many um i and to now i'm just looking at um a lot of people that are creating stuff that are just way less than perfect so and there's so many like young fresh designers or fresh designs coming into the world like on a daily basis i'm always like just really interested in curious and i'll go into like the old historical type foundries as well even like cincinnati's type foundry historical uh, books are just incredible to look at um so I'm, i i tend to end up delving back into sort of like the history of kind of like the historical typefaces and then looking to see um how we can take those and sort of like put like a modern twist on some of those things you know huh. so yeah. cincinnati has its own thought well, it used to, it used to, I mean, if you go back into the Cincinnati type foundry, um, there's a, a lot to, um, there's a lot of research out there. Um, because if look back at like some of the original, um, billboards in Cincinnati that were taken from shots from the river. Yeah. Um, and just like the history of type in Cincinnati is, is, is pretty, pretty stellar for the most part. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of one of those things when, you know, for so many years, the architecture in Cincinnati was overlooked, right? Um, whether it's in the OTR or different parts of town, all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, people decided to start looking up, 
you know, and then realise that they, you know, you, you could be back in like Brooklyn in like the late 1800s or what have you. And it's, it's you know, visually absolutely stunning. So there, there are pieces to be found here in Cincinnati for sure. Pretty so wild. what kind of work do you really, you were talking about, you know, we talked about, you did the Bunbury logo and you talked about you know, doing things festivals. Do you like seek out that kind of work now or is there just, do you, do you just like the, the challenge, whatever it is? Um, I, if I can stay, like, the, the work I enjoy the most is I love alcohol, I love spirits, I love music. It's kind of like all the stuff I'm interested in. I love sports, okay. you know, it's like, so if I can stay connected to the stuff that I'm passionate about and sort of like has a direct uh, kind of connection to my own personal culture you know that's the stuff I really really enjoy working on so because um, like whether it's like a, a bourbon brand or a beer brand or a wine brand or a sports brand um, you know it's like that to me is just like so much fun and then you know if a music festival comes along the way as well it's just like it's, that stuff's a dream to work on so because i mean you know as a kid like you know in design school and stuff like that that'd be the stuff you dream to work on you know having your stuff on a, a platform whether it's like a can or a bottle that you know people are enjoying what's in the can or the bottle as well and you know they're holding this thing with like a sense of pride as well i think it's just really fascinating yeah now what about uh i mean with the legalization of uh weed all over the country seems like is inevitable are there I, th- I feel like it's like a branding gold rush like yeah. everyone has to i haven't really been keeping up on like if there's any cool logos out there but i was like i wonder if there's any like cutting edge design work being done in uh in that uh area there's tons of it i mean if you look at like some of the weed design um coming out of whether it's california colorado this stuff is like uber super premium um, it's not sort of like, you know, uh, your buddy with the high time subscription. It's exactly, it's no longer that. I mean, if like, even like, uh, look at all the CBD work that's coming out right now. It's very much akin, like everyone's kind of going very highbrow and it's all about like kind of health and wellness and mental wellness. And it has a lot to do with it just because like, you know, if, like the world is such a uh, anxiety driven place right now that everyone's trying to come through with like a lens of like, calmness and education and all the rest of it so it's really fascinating so um i'm sure there's going to be a ton of that type of work coming out of the sort of local region here as well especially like the cbd as well obviously we haven't caught up to sort of the weed realm yet to to a certain degree but um I, i think it's only a matter of time Follow any other sports besides soccer? Um, occasionally rugby, especially when the Rugby uh, World Cup's going on. But fo- soccer is just is the, just the king, the king shit. There's me. no baseball, obviously. I'll, I'll go down there and enjoy a hot dog, and uh, <laughs> you know, I love the environment, but it just doesn't keep my attention. Cricket again doesn't keep my attention. Oh, okay, yeah, just no interest. Um, my, my brother play, used to play a ton of cricket. Um, but yeah, that was that was his sport, and it just wasn't for me, you know. Hmm. So I still don't understand it. I've tried watching it. And I'm just like my well, Scottish friend is a, that's his second favorite. And Greg James, who does breakfast on Radio One, massive. In fact, he does on Five Live. He does cricket commentary. Yeah, he's that obsessed. Yeah, I'm just uh, you know if if it's like a T20, which is you know the the condensed the short, short version, short yeah, version, yeah, maybe if it's a final, <laughs> maybe I'll watch it. But other than that, it's. Um, but with soccer, I, even if there are two just crappy teams playing against each other, I'm like, I'm just fascinated. 
fascinating. You can watch any game. So you're one of those guys that can watch any game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll watch any game. Bundesliga um, comes on. Um, Hamburg and, I don't know, Cologne, maybe. If, I, if I've in. got no responsibility in that moment in time, yes, I, wow. will, I will sit down and watch it, for and sure. And then musically, who are some of the artists you um, like? All over the place. Like, we were talking about, like, BBC Radio 6, um, WWOZ. Um, I mean, right off the bat, like, through my recent list, like, Elbow is a big one for me. Then I go to, like, Niels Fromm and these kind of more electronic orchestra, piano people, and... You know, from like classical to reggae to rock to alternative, I'm I'm all across the board. So if it's good music, it's good music, and you know I'm into it. You big festival guy? We, my wife and I, used to be huge on festivals. We have an eight year old daughter, so she's getting to the point where that's we're like, killed that. Well, <laughs> we're, she's she's starting to go to them now, so yeah. we'll be taking her to Bellwether this year for sure, and probably Bunbury as well, and. Um, Potentially like the homecoming festival as well. So, because she's oh, got, yeah, you know, she's got her own um, kind of musical tastes. And um, so, we're starting to look at what she's liking and sort of like getting her exposed to that. Because we used to work the uh, the Bunbury Music Festival, like, you know, slinging prints down there and stuff like that. And, you know, she would be a little baby with the noise, head cancelling yeah. headphones on, on a little blanket. And, yeah. you know, we were we were that type of family like for festival season you know so um whereas we've kind of pumped the brakes on on being on site now still doing the work in the background but um but yeah so i'm looking forward to this year's festival season because you know there's a time and point where my wife and we saw like 50 close to 60 shows in a calendar year and so we were just like all the time i saw 15 last year i thought that was a ton for now we would we would go to like the old southgate house and you know see a show on a friday and a saturday and then we'd be at like bogarts or wherever like tuesday thursday and so um but yeah so now i think we're going to start getting back into there especially like the weekend festivals because you know you can get so much music crammed in such a short period of time so my first concert when i came to cincinnati in 97 Blur for fourteen bucks. Oh, wow. Blur wow. at the garage. Amazing. Wow! Didn't know who they were. Didn't know uh, a thing about them. I came to Cincinnati. I was loving Q one hundred and two and all the <laughs> pop music they were feeding me every hour. Like, wow, this is the best. Cause I grew up in the sticks in Ohio, where sure. yeah. we could hardly get any radio stations. Yeah, so like, wow, one that's playing pop music twenty four seven. This is unbelievable. Then my buddies were like, yeah, screw that. We're going to yeah. Blur. <laughs> wow, okay. First concert I, I saw different. here. I didn't even live here. My wife was living here, and I came to visit her. We were friends, and we saw uh, Billy Idol and uh, Gene Loves Jezebel was the opening act. That's what I wanted to see was Gene Loves Jezebel. Wow. And I remember um, we it was at Riverbend. And, and we had good seats. I had press seats, so we were a couple rows back. And after Gene Loves Jezebel, I'm like, well, I really want to see Billy Idol. So we gave our tickets to some kids up on the lawn, and they were, they were happy. And wow. Just stuck around, though. Wow, you just took, good, out, took off, huh? Took, yeah. But other things I wanted to see in town. And I'm trying to think what my first music concert was. I think it was Robert Palmer up at King's Island. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think a week Rock late. peace, Bob Palmer. Yeah. I, I, Did I, you have I, all I, the ladies in the background doing their I little? I can't remember. I, I th- what was the, uh, the, it was the concert venue that was just off. 
off of the King's Island. Oh, um, Wolf, Wolf, Wolf something, Timberwolf. Timberwolf. Yes, yeah. that's where it was. It was at Timberwolf. Yeah. Um, and then I think I think maybe it was a few weeks later. I went with my sister. She wanted to go see Tiffany, so we went from like Robert Palmer <laughs> to Tiffany in a couple of weeks. But uh, but yeah, I remember seeing like um, Victor Wooten and Baylor Fleck up there uh, before Timberwolf shut down. That was an old venue that sort of like one forgets about up there. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Um, Saw Weird Al there. <laughs> Took Hannah when she was 12. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like, we're going to, uh, we're off to the Dominican Republic next weekend to see the Abit Brothers. They're playing like a weekend festival down there. Oh, wow. So we're heading down there. Is that like Firefest? No, <laughs> freaking hope not for sure. So yeah, I think well, it's at the uh, Hard Rock down there. So um, it's going to be a three-day festival. I think um, there's a bunch of people playing down there. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It should be good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bellwether took a uh, hard left this year. They did. Uh, with uh, it's all folk now. Well, they've got like Nathaniel Ratliff uh, or Ratliff, however you pronounce it. Um, the Devil. The Devils make three uh, shovels and rope, and uh, yeah, they've come gone for like um, kind of like that Americana, more folk um, realm. But I think it's going to work beautifully for that setting. Yeah, um, I think just the vibe of that place, and um, I think it's going to be a great weekend. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to sound great. I think it's going to look great, and hopefully the weather cooperates because you never know with music festival weekends. Yeah. Um, but have you have you been up there for? you know because a lot of times you know these festivals are trying to convert empty space into something whereas this one's already got all that infrastructure there and they'll have like rock and roll jousting i mean they literally have actual jousters like going against each other like yeah, last year it was like freddie mercury versus um the bass player from kiss Right, and they've got these guys dressed up like that, and they're oh, yeah. on these big ass horses trying to knock the lights out of each other. Wow. Don Amin was on about that. He said they were going to add that. It's insane. Yeah. It's totally insane. I heard last year they nailed it. Oh, as far as the first year is like, all right, first year, okay, work out the kinks. Yeah. Second year they said, bam, that was. Well, awesome. second year they actually moved it into the realm of like the where the Renaissance Festival takes part, and um, I don't know if you guys have been up there, but there's like a little bit of elevation and walkability around there, but. Um, it's just a trip. It is well worth going up there, and I'm I'm excited yeah. for this year's uh, festival. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be awesome. Sweet, yeah. Bombay's still doing its thing. Yeah, we'll be down there as well. So yeah, we'll just kind of you know creatively jump from one lily pad to the other musical lily pad and awesome. hopefully enjoy it all if we can. Yeah, you don't really have to leave the city. No, it's amazing. So <laughs> unreal. Well, cool. So where can people keep up with uh, Tommy Inc. on the interwebs? Are you uh, always posting, you know, what you're up to? Um, and... For the most part, yeah. So TommyInc.com, T-O-M-M-Y-I-N-K.com. And then um, Instagram just seems to be my go-to platform. I'm always posting, you know, every couple of days or so. Just even if it's like a gestural sketch that isn't going anywhere, um, I'll be popping stuff on there. But, yeah, that's pretty much the, the, the two main avenues where people can kind of check out to see what cool going on yeah and we'll be posting uh some stuff uh you've done for us here uh yeah i mean man you've been a breath of fresh air to work for like or work with I, sometimes i feel like yeah maybe we are working for you but, uh, <laughs> but no uh but yeah just this the stuff that we've been able to create in our uh, our short time uh working together i think has been been awesome i think and i am excited, excited to yeah see what, what i'm like man if this stuff doesn't get traction then <laughs> i'm out <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, then it's time to find a corporate gig and uh, retire in a cubicle. But 
there's no way. No, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I, I love being able to, you know, throw an idea your way and you're just like, yeah, let's just tweak this, tweak that, boom. Yeah. And like, wow, that's all it took. Well, to me, it's like, it's like food. It's like conversation is like food. And you can see, like, you know, it's always good to kind of play ping pong with designs occasionally just because, you know, other people are going to be seeing stuff and, you know, you can kind of start to refine it and get into a spot. And everyone kind of comes at the work with their own kind of lens and their angle. Um, and if, it, if it's all coming from a good place anyway, um, you're going to get to a good spot at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? Cool. Well, awesome. Um, yeah, so at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests to provide us with a word or code that'll be used as a promo code on cincyshirts.com or in our stores. Uh, this code's good for when the podcast is released on Wednesday till the following Wednesday when the next podcast comes out. So, what is one word that either inspires you? It doesn't have to be anything. This, the. Uh, well, no, it has to be something. It has to be but, something. Uh, I think I know what it, I think I know what it might be, but I'm gonna I'm not I don't want to uh, prejudice the jury here. <laughs> a word or a code uh, that people can use. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, the word will be the code. Anything? Hmm. Could we just use Spurs? There it is. I oh, called it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be Johnston. No, Spurs. How could it not be? Spurs. <laughs> Promo code SPURS will get you 20% off CincyShirts.com. There you go. Thanks to Tommy Inc. for coming in and uh, sharing your story. Tommy Sheehan. He's actually an Englishman in Cincinnati, if that's the closest I could come to there. Um, I've always dug that tune. That's uh, one of my favorite Sting tunes. Anyway, um, Tommy Sheehan. Find him, of course, at Tommy Inc. Inc. is with a K. TommyInc.com. And we will get Rob Warnick on the show as well at some point. Uh, he did our 150 design from last year, the baseball one. He did uh, Saber... Sabotooth Tiger. He did the original Foosball uh, FC logo from back in the USL days. So uh, you've dug his designs, and uh, we will get him on the show at some point. We need to get him over shyness. All right. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line, and you can also use that email to donate to the podcast, of course, via PayPal or Venmo. If you're suggesting a guest, please put podcast guest in the subject line again. And of course, uh, maybe a little brief bio, uh, one or two sentences about why you think that person would be a good guest for our show if it's not somebody that is you know already widely known all right now also be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state and if you haven't already of course go back and plunder those cincy shirts podcast archives all 107 episodes if you haven't already a friend of the show greg martini was telling me at Bachfest this past weekend that he has been uh, binging the episode so well done greg uh, you should do the same Today's show is produced by me, with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage teas from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and a whole lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, uh, loads of shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, you name it. Old clubs, uh, those are very popular too. It's like Cincy Shirts, of course, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is SPURS, as in Tottenham Hot Spurs, but just SPURS. 
numbers. All lowercase or all uppercase, doesn't matter. Either one will work. You have to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. You can also use that in our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.